Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Um, I will tell one dad joke because it's Father's Day and I can. I can get away with it. Okay. I love summer. How many love summertime? Summertime is awesome. Uh, I like it because you can practice snowshell distancing. Okay. What was, what was that? Snow shoulder? They don't get snow shoal? Snow? Okay. Either. Fine. Moving on. Jim Seraph. All right. Jim Seraph told me one before service. We'll try this one. Um, we'll see if I can remember it. Um, how do mountains see? How do mountains see? They peak. All right. They peak. All right. That one actually got a better laugh, Jim, so thank you. <laughs> All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll get there in a few minutes. The title of our message today is called A Father's Anointing. A Father's Anointing. Um, there is a specific ability given to fathers, a specific anointing that God wants to release over us today as fathers. Why? Because the role of a father, as you know, or you should know, is extremely important. Uh, the world has tried to diminish the role of fathers and even diminish the role of mothers, but these two unique complementary roles work together, and it is God's best plan for the world. Um, the idea to diminish fathers and the role of fathers in this world is complete and utter nonsense. Um, I won't go too deep into this, but I could present evidence after evidence to you that people who grow up without fathers are much more likely to have many problems. They face many more challenges. It's not a death sentence if you grew up without a father or an absent father or a um, passive father or an abusive father. It's not a death sentence on your life, but there are much more challenges. There's an uphill, uh, uphill battle facing you much more than the average person. Most violent offenders in prison grew up without a father. Uh, women are far more likely to become promiscuous, um, especially at a younger age, if they grew up without a father. Uh, kids are much more likely to grow up in poverty without a father. Um, there's a strong correlation between prominent atheists and fatherlessness. If you look at prominent atheists, many, many times one thing they all have in common, they either had an abusive father, an absent father, a passive father, or no father at all. And... Um, uh, disappointment in one's earthly father, whether through death, absence, or mistreatment, frequently leads to rejection of Father God. Um, many, many times we relate to our Father God the, the way that our Father related to us. So, it's, so men, this is extremely important. This is a high calling that we have in the role of being a father. We are supposed to display the nature and character of our Heavenly Father, Okay. So uh, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 through 33. Here Paul is giving uh, keys to have a successful marriage, but I would say by extension, a successful family. Why? Because when you start with a successful marriage, that flows downhill and cultivates an environment and atmosphere for healthy families, okay? And so uh, let's, let's read here Ephesians 21 through 33. I read this at a lot of weddings that I do. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, I love it. It starts with there. Submit to one another. And this is good just advice for relationships in general. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Verse 22, he emphasizes wives, and then later on he'll emphasize some things for husbands. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should be submit to their husbands in everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Okay, notice your words are important, men. Your words that you speak are important. Verse 27, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and they care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are all members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, lots there, lots of keys to having a successful Marriage. I love this last verse because it highlights the greatest need that men and women have in marriage. The greatest and most profound need that a woman has in marriage is to feel loved and cherished by her husband. The greatest and most profound need that a man uh, has in marriage is to feel respected and honored by his bride, okay? So God's giving us these keys. Do, do men need love? Yes. Do, do women need respect? Yes. But he emphasizes the point that women, more than anything, want to feel loved and cherished by their husbands, and men, more than anything, want to feel respected and honored by their bride. I just want to say, before I move on with this, that these are needs, okay? They're needs. If you're waiting, if you're waiting for your husband to respect your husband until he does something respectable, then, it, listen, it's a need. Like, let me flip that upside down. Are you waiting for your, your wife to be lovely before you can love her, right? These are actual needs that God has said. And if you want to have a successful marriage, God has set it up in such a way where, hey, if we meet each other's needs, this flows downhill and it creates an environment within our marriage that's, that's um, holy. Okay, let's go back to verse 25. This is kind of the springboard I want to use today. Verse 25, it says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Um, I find it interesting, and I think it's important, that the Apostle Paul didn't just say, husbands, love your wives as Jesus loved the church. Now, he said, he said, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Now, yes, of course, he's talking about Jesus, okay? So we're not confused there. He's talking about Jesus, but he didn't use Jesus' proper name. He didn't use the name Yeshua. He specifically, Paul specifically uses the title Christ. Christ is a title. Okay? If he said Jesus, we could certainly look, look at it through that lens and we'd gain a lot of uh, meaningful insight. But he says, love your wife and by extension your family as one divinely empowered by God for a specific task. Okay? I believe it opens up the meaning more. Um, Christ means the anointed one. Okay? Love your wives as the anointed one loves his church. Okay? Anointed, the anointing means... Um, to smear or to rub with oil, representing the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Jesus, the anointed one, gave himself for his bride, the church. However, Paul says, love your families with the specific anointing to be a father for this task. 
Here's the point I want to make today. There is a specific anointing for loving your family. There's an anointing for being a husband. There's an anointing for being a father. Uh, the Greek word for Christ here is Christos. Everyone say Christos. Uh, and the root word for that is the word creo. And we're going to put that up here. Okay, the root word is creo. It means to anoint. Um, to anoint by rubbing or pouring olive oil on, someone's, on someone to represent the flow or the empowering of the Holy Spirit. The anointing literally um, involved rubbing olive oil on the head, especially to present someone as divinely authorized, that is appointed by God, to serve as prophet, priest, or king. All right? Uh, husbands and fathers, I want you to understand today that there's a divine ability, one divinely empowered, to be a husband, to be a father. In the Old Testament, there was the holy anointing oil. God gave them the recipe for making the holy anointing oil. Um, olive oil was part of that, and there were other things in that recipe. And that holy anointing oil was only to be used to anoint people in one of or three different offices. Okay, Those three offices are the ones that were mentioned here. Prophet, priest, and king. It was not to be a common oil used for anyone and everyone. It's to, be, to anoint prophets, priests, and kings. And so what I want to talk about today is... Um, that I believe that God has appointed men to serve their families, to love their families as, the, as an anointed one in your family, to serve and love your family as a prophet, as a priest, and as a king. Okay, so I want to talk about that today. And so let's look at number one, a father's anointing, loving your families as a prophet. Okay, I believe God has called husbands and fathers to be the voice, the, a prophetic voice for your family. I believe that God is empowering godly men to be not just a father, but prophetic fathers. Amen? Isn't that what you, isn't that what you would want growing up? Not just a, a dad who's in the home, but a prophetic father in the home who speaks words of life over you. Amen? Um, so what do prophetic fathers do? They speak the word of the Lord over their families, okay? Your words are so important. The words that you sow and the seeds you sow by speaking over your family is so very important, and it makes such a big difference. Um, to help illustrate this point, um, I was talking with Rick Hood, and I'll have him come up here, because I want him to share this story. Um, Rick is a father in this house. He's, he's, he's uh, our men's pastor. He's the vice president of our, our board. And so, um, but I want him to share a story about how God has used him to speak into his children's life. And so um, go ahead and just share that, would you? So most of you know I've got three sons, and I have a very special daughter, Amanda, as you all know. <laughs> And um, um, just to give some context to this, um, my oldest son, Jake, many of you know the journey that he has, he's been on, and um, it started about 24 years ago, and um, he was 15 at that point, and um, we were, I was worshiping, I was just kicking it with the Lord, and um, I mean, I was just worship. I'm talking about, you know, getting under the anointing or whatever. I was just, just, just kicking it with God. And all of a sudden, the Lord gave me a picture of drugs in the ceiling of my son's bedroom. I said, that's bad. That's bad pizza. And so I went back to, I went back to, to worshiping and kicking it. And I just, you know, just, and it came, came back. The Holy Spirit came back and gave it to me again. And I told Beck, I said, I don't know, but I, the Lord's spoken to me twice now about there being drugs. And 
Jake's bedroom was a, a basement bedroom, and so he had a drop ceiling to finish the ceiling. And so we went downstairs. The very first tile that we, we hit, the drugs fell out. And um, so that's gone on with Jake for 24 years. God has given us words of knowledge and, and words of protection over him and prophecy. Well, Justin, his younger brother, um, just, I guess it was just a, couple, a year ago, and um, he said to me, and, and I've had words for him too, but he said, Dad, do you, do you get words of knowledge or words from the Lord for me? It just, oh, just wrecked me. And so, and they live in South Dakota, so I don't see them a lot, and so I just asked, started asking the Lord, just God, what do you want me to speak over my son? And um, some friends that we have um, gave me tickets to go to a Husker game. And so I thought, well, that'll be perfect. Um, it'd just be Justin and I going to the, watch the Huskers, and I can start speaking some of the things that God's given me to share with them. And so we're on our way there, and and, and I started speaking to him. One of the areas was I felt like the Lord was saying that God was going to increase his leadership, his, his influence. And, um, and there were some other things that I spoke over him. And I just said, you know, Justin, does that, does that make sense? Does that bear witness with your spirit? He said, Dad, that's right on. That's, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And, and we're, we're driving down this one of hundreds of roads in Nebraska. And everywhere you looked was was corn tasseled out ready to be harvested i mean it was everywhere hundreds of miles of corn and as we're driving along we 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 look off i look off to the side of the road that we're on and there's this 25 foot christmas tree completely decorated it's got balls on it and it's got the ribbon around it and i thought that is the silliest thing I've ever seen in my life in September. And immediately the Holy Spirit said to me, um, you need to tell Justin that he's got good gifts for us. And I said, the, the Lord's telling us that from that Christmas tree that he's got good gifts for us, Justin. And Justin just said, you know, Dad, I want to see things like that too. I want to see the, the things that seem to be natural things. I want to see what God's speaking through all those things. And I said, well, he's going to open that up to you as well. So anyway, um, we went and we watched the Huskers win, travel back home. Typically, typically, a lot of people think when something prophetically is given, that that's the timetables like now. And oftentimes, most of the time, that the prophetic things that are being spoken take sometimes years for them to manifest. So Justin was looking for the now word, and it, it didn't happen. And so after a couple of months, he kind of just missed it. And um, I would say probably a year after that, that trip, um, he got a notice in the mail that all of his college debt had been forgiven, 
which was $130,000. And then with that, he would have an extra $700 a month to do other stuff with. And so um, uh, I, I had to call him back. I said, I need to remind you of what God said just a year ago. And he said, Dad, that's absolutely correct. Well, I'll just tell you this much more of it, too. Um, he just got voted in um, on the school board uh, for his school, the, the sc community school board, the, the community that he lives in. He just got voted in for that this, this week. And so his leadership influence is growing as well. And so um, it doesn't matter. My son is, um, that one is what, 37? <laughs> 38. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is that as a, a, a father's influence never stops, even if our kids are out of the nest. They still need to hear the things that God is telling us to speak over them. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Rick. I want him to share that story just to encourage you men. If you have adult kids, little kids, men, that your families need to hear your voice. Um, some of you might feel like, oh, that's kind of intimidating. I'm not like a prophetic person. How do I get a word of knowledge? And listen, that's something that we constantly encourage people to grow in. But let me say this. Even if your words are not explicitly prophetic, you can still speak words of life and so seeds of life. Proverbs 18, 21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death. So literally, the, the words you speak, the, the things you speak to our children, bring life or death. Um, fathers, we have a great responsibility to sow seeds of life into our families with our words. Um, when I got married, I got married when I was 24 to my wife here, and um, we, had, we have daughters. And um, it was not intuitive for me to, to tell my daughters, like every day, that they're beautiful and I'm proud of them. It wasn't really intuitive. I grew up... I have a half-sister who's 15 years younger than me, but I basically grew up with brothers. Lots of brothers, lots of fistfights in the house, okay? And so we were a rowdy bunch, and it wasn't very intuitive for me to speak words of encouragement, words of life over my family. And my wife, she trained me. She's like, listen, daughters need to hear from their father. They need to hear that they're lovely. They need to hear they're beautiful. They need to hear that their, their father is proud of them. And I learned a very, when my kids were very little, that that was very important. And, and literally, almost every single day, I tell my daughters, you're beautiful, you're amazing, I'm proud of you, because I, I know that that is a very important thing. And that wasn't intuitive to me. And maybe for some of you men here, it's not intuitive to you to, to be um, engaged with your words, but I just want to encourage you, it is powerful if you're engaged with your words. Your family and your wife needs your words of encouragement. Amen? Listen, um, sons and daughters, we all crave masculine influence. Daughters crave masculine influence. Sons crave masculine influence. We need to, as fathers, give that masculine influence to them so that they grow up and develop the way they are supposed to, okay? Um, fathers also give identity, okay? It's, it's, it's um, you know, when, when the family gets married, the wife takes on the husband's name. Now, listen, that's Cultural, yes, that's cultural, but I believe that's also prophetic, that there is an identity, and fathers are supposed to sow identity into their family and sow identity into their children. So I just want to encourage you men to take up that mantle. It's a spiritual thing. Amen? 
Okay, so that's point number one. A father's anointing is to be a prophet, to speak words of life over your family. Okay, point number two. What is, uh, point number two is to be a priest. All right, what is the role of a priest? The role of a priest is to go before God on behalf of the people. In the Old Testament, the priest was to go before God and um, uh, present offerings on behalf of the, uh, the people. Um, however, as husbands, we are to love our families the same way that Christ loved the church. We are to go before God in prayer and intercession for our families, for our wife and our, for our, our children. Okay? There's something special about the prayers and the petitions of a father for his family. And I just want to encourage you men, be engaged in prayer. Be engaged in interceding for your families. Um, also, in the New Testament, Jesus himself is our great high priest. Jesus himself is our great high priest who offered his own blood on our behalf. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, it says this. Since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect was tempted as we are, yet without sin. I love this verse. I love that we have a great high priest. Yes, Father God is holy off in heaven, right? He's holy and perfect. But Jesus came to this world. He was tempted in every single way we were. And he, we have a great high priest who can sympathize, empathize with our weaknesses. So encouraging to me. Verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive, we may receive mercy and grace and find grace to help us in our time of need, okay? Here's the deal. A father who is walking in the anointing of a priest is a man who sensitively and sacrificially meets the needs of his family, okay? These needs are spiritual. These needs are emotional. These needs are relational. They're personal needs that a father is supposed to meet. Jesus is the sympathetic high priest, and fathers are supposed to be that sympathetic high priest in their homes, okay? There's a priestly anointing. The priestly anointing is to lay down your life for your families, and, and maybe even lay down your life in fact, okay? Jesus said, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Jesus laid down his life for the church, okay? All right, so that's point number two. What does a father's anointing look like? Number one, point number one, a prophetic father. A prophetic father is a man who diligently seeks to hear God's voice and to know God's word for the benefit of his family. Point number two, a priestly father is a father walking the anointing of a priest is a man who sensitively and sacrificially meets his family's needs and helps them deal with spiritual, emotional, relational, and personal needs. And last point, point number three, a father's anointing also is the anointing of a king, a kingly anointing. Some of you guys are like, yeah, now we've gotten to it. The kingly anointing. That's what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Call me king, woman, you know. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Calm down. All right. All right. A kingly anointing. Okay. What do, what do kings do? So here's the deal. Kings are divinely appointed individuals to lead nations. They offer protection, provision, and a model righteousness okay in the case of family parents are supposed to be the gatekeepers of what comes into the home and fathers are supposed to be those loving gatekeepers of what comes in their home okay a good example of this is how many how many fathers here you have daughters and i haven't reached this point yet but the first time a boy comes knocking on your door right you're supposed to be the gatekeeper 
to that daughter of yours and this boy and help, help her find the right one and intervene if necessary, okay? Fathers, listen, fathers are supposed to offer discipline, guidance, and structure to a home, okay? Discipline, guidance, and structure to a home. I'm going to read the qualifications um, in, the, in the Word of God. I'm going to read the qualifications of overseers and, and deacons within the church, but I believe we can all learn um, what a good father looks like, because I believe this paints a great picture of what a father looks like um, from these verses, okay? So this is a big chunk of scripture I'm going to read, but it allows us to paint a picture of what a good father looks like from the scripture, okay? And I believe every father, we want to look like this, and we aspire to have fathers like this. First Timothy 3, 1 through 13. Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Watch this, verse 4. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, uh, with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They are to keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. Verse 12, a deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Okay, A father walking in a kingly anointing lovely leads his family in godliness. Okay, What do we want? Having high standards... And holiness and order in home is not a bad thing, okay? But you want to have high standards met with high levels of love and high levels of acceptance. You want all those things clicking at the same time, okay? A father's job is to see to it that there is love and there is respect within the home. I'm, I, this bothers me at times when I see a family and you see a kid being disrespectful to the mom and then the dad's just kind of like, just kind of stand there watching that happen. I'm like, bro, your kid's being disrespectful to your wife. Like, get in there and do something about this, okay? Don't be a passive father. Be an engaged father. Be engaged in a loving way, engaged in an emotional way, but also engaged in make, seeing to it that there's respect within your home, okay? How do you do that? You make sure the kids respect mom, okay? Um, <clears throat> And I'm blown away at times where I see, see fathers putting up with it. And then they wonder why there's disorder in their home. Um, when, I was, when I was a kid, and um, my, my parents were divorced when I was 10 years old. And um, so I went to live with my mom. And um, my mom divorced my dad, actually. So my dad didn't want a divorce. And um, I go to live with my mom. And after I'm there, I don't know, I'm 11 or 12 years old, um, I started to become disrespectful to my mom. And I don't know, I was going through a phase or something, whatever. Kids go through things. But um, I wrote on a sticky note, I wrote, I hate you. And I put it on her mirror in her bathroom. And so I'm just being disrespectful for a while. 
you know, I'm 11, 12 years old. And my mom, because I'm thinking, like, I can get away with this now. There's no dad in the home, you know. And my mom calls up my dad and says, hey, we've got a situation here. Now, this, listen, my dad could have, what he could have done in that situation was like, well, you left me, and this is what you're left with. And he could have played the sides that oftentimes divorced couples do. They, play, they still play sides. In fact, even married couples living in the same home play sides sometimes. What your kids need to see is a united front, okay? And so... <clears throat> Uh, he doesn't do that because he, know he knows that's not good for me. He's not, he knows even though my mom broke his heart and left and got a divorce, he knows that he still needs to speak into my life and not allow me to be disrespectful to her. Why? Because I'll grow up with that disrespect. I'll grow up, I'll treat other people that way, and, and I, won't have, uh, I won't be a respectful person. So my dad comes over, and um, we're all sitting down. And he's like, so you've been disrespectful to your mom doing these things? I'm like, yep. And he's like, you need to change that. And I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. And so he leaves the room, and then my mom and my brother were there. And they're like, okay, so how about it? Are you going to be respectful now? And I guess I didn't realize at that time that this was an ultimatum. <laughs> I, didn't put, I didn't put it together that the wrath of God was near. <clears throat> and I was like, no, I'm not going to be respectful. So my dad comes back in the room. Did he, did he change, did he have a change of heart? Did he, is he going to respect you now? And she said, no. And um, the wrath of God fell on me that day. <laughs> it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not an awesome memory, obviously. No, no child loves to be corrected, but that's what I needed in that moment because I was being disrespectful to my mom and my dad set me straight. A father's job is to see that there's love and respect in the home, Amen. So, um, prophets, priests, and kings. This is the anointing of a father. Here's the deal, and I'll conclude with this. Every man has an inclination to maybe one or two of these, but it's rare that a man is good at all three of these. Okay? If you're a prophet but not a sympathetic priest, you may have a tendency to be harsh and performance-oriented. Okay? Here's, here's the word of the Lord, but if you're not a sympathetic priest, you might be performance-oriented. If you're a sympathetic priest but not a king, you might be sweet to your family, but you're weak. Okay? You don't want to just be a, a sympathetic priest that's not a king because you'll be sweet, but you'll be weak, and your kids will walk all over you. If you're a king but not a priest, you'll be dominant and insensitive and harsh, and God's not looking for that either. Most men are not good at doing all three of these. But if you possess the anointing, to be a father, you can balance these three, and you will, you will accurately and lovingly display the nature and the character of our Heavenly Father. All right? And so, why don't, why don't you guys stand to your feet this morning? I just want to pray over us, to release that over us, that we would be... Um, and listen, ladies, you, I know I'm talking to the men today, but you're kind of listening in, but you all have a vested interest in this as well, right? And so, men, I'm just going to have you hold out your hands and... Um, I just want to pray that you receive this. Um, and by the way, if you're here and you're not a biological father of anyone, the world, and you're, you're a man, you're not married, you don't have kids, listen, the world desperately, desperately needs fathers. And, and I want to just commission you today as well to step up and to be a, a mentor, a role model in people's lives. People desperately need that. And like I said, even if you grew up without that, you need, you need grand, grandparents or mentors or men in your life that can fulfill this role. 
We spoke about mothers a few weeks ago when Leslie was up here speaking about mothers. Both are complementary and they work together to raise the best um, children possible. But I'm going to pray over men today. So Father, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for men, Lord. Thank you for men that you fashion and create us, Lord God. God, I ask that we wouldn't just be dads, God. We would be prophetic fathers who speak the words of life, who inquire of the Lord, who get the word of the Lord for our families. And God, I just ask we'd be prophetic fathers. God, I ask we'd be priestly fathers, Lord, that we'd be those, that sympathetic, empathetic father, that our kids can come to us literally with anything, that we're a safe place for them. They can come to us. We're sympathetic. We're gentle. We're empathetic. And we lead them lovingly, Lord. And God, lastly, I pray that these men would be kingly fathers, God, fathers who lovingly bring structure and order to their homes, Lord God. God, I pray that we as fathers would love our wives and our families as Christ loved the church, Lord God, as the anointed one loves his church, Lord God. Let's let the anointing of the Holy Spirit fall on the men that are here today. And I just commission you right now to be the prophet, to be the priest, to be the king in that home, to lovingly serve and, and to, um, to bring um, everything that God has called fathers to bring to that home. And so we just release that over you today in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.